Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Google. Lever. Intello. Monster. Jibe. What do these companies and hundreds of others have in common? They all use sovereign technology. Some use our software to help people find the perfect job, while others use our technology to help companies find the perfect candidate. Sovereign has been the global leader in recruitment intelligence software since 1996, and we can help improve your hiring process, too. We'd love to help you make a perfect match. Visit Sovereign.com, S-O-V-R-E-N.com, for a free demo. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's up? Robo proof your recruiting. Robot proof your ass is what it is. It's that it's that time, kids. We're talking to an actual human who wrote an actual book like on paper yeah. and stuff. So we're super excited they today still do that. to introduce Katrina Collier. Katrina, welcome to uh, HR's most dangerous podcast. Katrina and the waves. Oh, walking on sunshine today. Walking on sunshine. Katrina is the author of The Robot Proof Recruiter. Uh, Has Katrina said anything or is she just so shocked? No, I'm too busy laughing. (laughs) (laughs) There was singing. I wasn't expecting singing. (laughs) There it is. There it is. A survival guide for recruitment and sourcing professionals. So, Katrina, give us a little bit about you. Who the hell is Katrina Collier? That is a very long and complicated question. Um, (laughs) What are you, her therapist? (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. So I have been in the recruitment industry since 2003, like everybody else. Of course, I didn't. 
Sorry, newbie. newbie. Yeah, just the sixteen years. Um, I didn't plan to ever be a recruiter, but I saw this little advertisement in the paper. Yes, a newspaper, and <laughs> I thought, oh, I can do that. And then I came out of it in around the recession, two thousand eight, two thousand mm-hmm. and nine, and thought, oh, I'm going to start training. Everyone's appearing online. Why don't I just teach how to source on social media? Way too early. And then went in-house for a period of time, proved to myself I could do it. And then from January 2012 up until about mm, 2018, that's what I was doing. Uh And then Kogan Page asked me if I would like to write a book. And it absolutely blew my mind that I was asked. The little inner child came out with, you're going to let me write a book? But I was also very aware. It was that 50 grand advance, right? No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Joel, this is why you haven't had everyone a gets rich writing books, I hear. No, I have to buy my own copies of the book. Um, Which is <laughs> so, why I didn't get one, apparently. That's why you didn't get one. I might send you one later, though. Um, <laughs> if you like me. If you behave. But one of the questions I'm sure you're going to say is like, who the hell do I think I am to write a book? And that was exactly it. I thought there's one thing to be training sourcing where sure I have to be doing it, Uh but I haven't hands on recruited for a while. So I pulled in 74 voices from the industry to help me to back this up with lots of hands on opinion. Nice. Um, And that that made me really proud of it. Well, name drop, drop some names so people can uh, relate to some of the experts that you talk to. Well, you know, talking candidate experience, of course, there had to be the Mr. Jerry Crispin. Um, Shannon Pritchett wrote the forward. Bless her cotton socks for doing that. <laughs> oh, I'm having to look at the acknowledgements. There are so many. There's Jimmy a few Stroud's that in there, there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, Jim's in there. But there's tons from Europe as well. Yeah, but I also wanted to make sure that I got European recruiters and I got some from back in my home country from Australia in there as well. Right. So it's a really global book. And I also wanted to get the, like the job search side. So I've got Hannah Morgan in there, for example. She's really well known. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so there'll be some names that are known, like Tris Revel, and there'll be others where you're like, I don't know who that is. That's okay. Um, because I wanted it to be global uh, as well. In that theme, what's the biggest difference between mm. a recruiter from the UK and a recruiter from the United States? About 30 IQ points. Well, other than we speak English properly. No, kidding. Um well, what is the biggest difference? I would say from if you took it, look at the way recruiters are perceived from an agency stroke in-house uh-huh. perception, I think the agency recruiters here are looked down on a lot more than the staffing are in the US. I think there's slightly more respect hmm. for recruitment in the US. Really? I know that's a really strange answer to your question. but More respect in the US. All right. A little bit more respect for what staffing do than what happens here. And I think that's unfortunate because of the cowboy attitude of the minority has created that. <laughs> but we have all the same challenges, you know, in mail, spam, email, spam, spam, just spam. <laughs> <laughs> when they came to me and said, do you want to write a book? And I sat there like having a little like, because um, I'm so blunt, right? <laughs> I'm so sick of the BS out there about, well, we have a sourcing tool that uses AI and we can just replace you. And I'm like, but you're sourcing from someone's ability to write a resume or a profile and people can't do that. So how can your AI possibly do that? So you have so much noise around the technology can just automate everything you're doing. And you're just going, people don't want to talk to robots now. They, in the supermarket, they go to the human over the self-checkout a lot of the time. Like you see that all the time. There's still tellers in the bank, even though there's an automatic teller machine. I'm going, 
someone's career? Are we going to give our career? All the all the research and, and feedback we get is that job seekers like chatbots because they're not dumped into the black hole of the resume database. But that's so, when the applicant has applied. So they've got into. Whereas where you see ro- uh, recruiters being replaced is a lot of the, the sourcing side and the, you know, getting someone to actually apply, you know, reaching out to people. Um, but so, for example, I talk about Ben Gledhill and Yodel with the chatbot they've got on their website, which is awesome. So you go there and they're always uh, recruiting mm-hmm. courier drivers. So it's, you know, can you carry a box that's 30 kilos? No, you, no, I can't. So you're out of the process. And it's it will step you through the application mm-hmm. as a chatbot. So that's when people arrive, keeping them engaged and giving them the clarity and the certainty, which I talk about all the way through the book. Use the technology mm-hmm. to give clarity and certainty, not to replace the human touch. So in that respect, absolutely, I would want to talk to a chatbot then, but I wouldn't want to talk to one when I'm just getting you know, in touch with someone about their career and whether they want to change jobs. <laughs> so you agree there are some levels of recruiting that are not robo-proof? Yeah. The entry, the first walking through the door yeah. application stuff. I don't stuff. think so. And I don't okay. think I'm ever going to change my opinion on that. Um, I just it's, <laughs> it's a career, right? And if you look at I think it's even harder in the US because of your health insurance. So therefore, people are more reluctant to change jobs. So you've really Mm -hmm. got to woo them. I mean, uh, so Amy Miller's just changed jobs. They wooed her for a year. (laughs) You know, you're kind of going, it's a big thing to change jobs. So I just don't think that you can just get someone's attention with a spam in mail via a robot and start chatting with a chatbot at that point. And that's where I would say, you know, it's changed with the job market. So mm-hmm. it used to be we had a much longer span, but because the job market, because of the job market being so hot, it's yeah. much easier to jo- jump from mm-hmm. job to job because you mm-hmm. jump from one piece of healthcare to the next piece of healthcare. And yes, okay. that is that is an issue that we have here in the US, obviously. Mm. But, you know, when it comes, when it comes down to engagement, I, I really believe that systems can provide more relevant content to possibly to humans to be able to share and or just mm-hmm. directly out to candidates better than yeah. better than just humans can. That's not scalable for a for a recruiter, right? So yeah, I get that. If you're looking from a content marketing point of view, definitely. And where I was really talking about it, so nothing and, and you're talking about that like the black hole as well. Nothing annoys me more than you apply for a job and either you get nothing or you get that autoresponder that says, gee, thanks to your application, the talent acquisition team might be back in touch with you, but more likely your resume just went in the bin. Right. You know, you get that, right? And I'm always yep. saying to people, like, for a start, you know, there are tools that you can use that will send a GIF, they'll send a text message, they'll send something much more exciting and say, Katrina Collier, here's my email, here's my phone number. I get overwhelmed with applications. I might lose you and not mean to. Can you chase me up if you don't hear from me? A really real human approach. So that that's automated, the response mm-hmm. bit, but then the human is in, it feels like they've got some clarity and certainty of who they're dealing with and then they can get in touch. Now, everyone goes, oh my God, I'll get overwhelmed. No, you won't because it'll be like one in 100 people who'll get in touch because the average person also wants to hide behind technology. I mean, you think of our phones and how we've got them within reach, but yet we ignore text messages and we ignore WhatsApps and emails and everything, even though our phone's right there. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating 
manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions. And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about text kernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, Text kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. Text kernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey. Kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that, that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener. Get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> so, so candidate-centric recruiters beat robots. Yeah. That's part that's, that's in the book. The, the big focus here for recruiters and becoming robot-proof is really being mm. more human, right? Because tech yeah. can't be. So tell us a little bit about that, just from kind of like the the candidate journey standpoint, because it, it yeah. is, it's not scalable for a single human being uh, to, to try to get in touch with, I mean, personally get in touch with 100, 200 plus candidates per rec, right? But, if you, if yeah. you have a rec load of 20 to 30 recs, which mm -hmm. is pretty fucking high, yeah. that's not, that's not scalable. Yeah. It's not sustainable. So mm -hmm. how can, how can they, how can recruiters be beat robots in this kind of scenario? I wrote the book for people who are highly sought after. So for, for recruiting people who are highly sought after, I uh -huh. didn't write it for high volume. And I'm really honest about that in the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've not done high volume recruitment. So I can't possibly understand what that's like. Mm -hmm. um, if you have 20 to 30 recs and they're all completely different, you have a really different problem going on in your company. Uh, either you should have more staff or you should be yeah. wondering why the hell you've got so many requirements. But that's another whole conversation. But I would rather that you didn't send one to 200 emails or emails that are going to get a very low response and you actually sent some quality messages that would get a response by landing exactly where the person is communicating, which might not be LinkedIn, which is what everyone sends to overuse. Right. And, and you're going to get a higher response rate. You know, you should be aiming for 80, 90% response rate, not mass 200 people and one replies. And unfortunately, that's what people do. So the message to the kids is don't get into high volume recruiting because that's under threat. <laughs> Go out and recruit doctors Maybe. and engineers and people that are in really high demand. Is that sort of the message? No, that's not the message. No, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's my experience. I've I've always been in tech recruitment. So those developers, like here in London, where there's five jobs for every developer, 
you know, it, I, that's my experience. So I've written yeah. the book from that angle and I've been honest about it. Where you have to make a huge effort to get someone's attention because, of course, you're at a bit of, you haven't read it, Joel. So, of course, Chad has. I don't talk much about the actual messaging itself because I'm, I'm more about the, do you look worthy of someone's time? Does the company look worthy of someone's time? How do you come up under scrutiny yep. so that if I actually get your attention, you want to talk to me because I'm, I'm getting so overwhelmed with messages that are those bulk messages mm-hmm. that the robots can send That's fine. that I'm ignoring them. Hopefully that makes more sense. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just curious about the threats. So as, as a recruiter, obviously I think high volume is one that is, is something to, to pay attention to because that is on, yeah. that's being attacked by automation and, and AI and everything else. I think the mm-hmm. other thing that I want to talk about is the, the burgeoning gig economy. Uh-huh. Um, and yes, we're seeing gig uh, with driving, we're seeing gigs with service industry and things like that, but we're also seeing it with developers, um, healthcare and nursing and things like mm-hmm. that. So I, w- I want to just curious about your yeah. Yeah, developers and I'm curious about your opinion on the gig economy and, and how much of a threat that is to sort of the future of recruiting human to human. Um, just more from a company point of view, actually, I'm just going to have a little rant that's a little off topic and not answering your question. I'm not sure how many companies have actually woken up to the fact. <laughs> Absolutely. Go, Collier. Don't answer the question. Dodge. Um, but I don't know how many companies have woken up to the fact that they're losing knowledge workers. It, and I'm going to say in the sort of the 40s range, because like myself, and I could name like 50 of my friends who've all taken their knowledge, left the company, and are now working gig because of course we've got IR35 coming here so we've got to be careful how we contract so we're all doing lots of different bits of work but we won't deliver that knowledge back to any companies that don't look after their people that's why we left we've come out and it's that sort of age group where the boomers are going to retire and this beautiful Gen X sort of age group sitting in the middle won't be there to take those senior manager roles nope so I know I'm not answering your question but as far as a threat for a company's <laughs> recruitment I think there's actually a big problem there that most companies have not woken up to yet. They're so focused on boomers retiring and millennials apparently job hopping. Yes. I mean, they're just basically doing what a normal 20 to 30 year old would do, but they've kind of forgotten about this. And a lot will go and use the technology really confidently to be able to have that flexibility. Like I sat there this morning walking my dog starting late so I didn't have to sit in traffic, you know? <laughs> you, you've said it and I, th- I think I actually I read it in the book and I've heard it all over the place. Recruiters are lazy. Is that one of the ways yeah. not to, to be able to defeat the robots is not to be so damned lazy, not lazy. and not to lean yeah. so hard on LinkedIn? Yeah. And I think it comes down to curiosity, and I don't think you can teach that. So if you want to be a lazy, high-volume – sorry, I'm not saying high-volume recruiters are lazy, by the way. But if you want to be a lazy recruiter and you just want to use technology to, to do bulk messaging and, and have a, a vaguely successful life, yeah, great. But I think that the curious and the proactive are the ones that are really successful and that have – high response rates and high volume. So they'll be curious enough to go, okay, right, I'm trying to get in touch with Chad. So let me look at his profile. Let me go off elsewhere. Where else is he chatting? Oh, look, he's over on Twitter. Maybe I'll send him a Twitter DM. Oh, he's on Instagram. Maybe I'll send him a message there. Like you don't, rather than using the mainstream, they'll go and become known to you. Right. They'll interact with you. And it's this, I don't know how you teach this curiosity. I feel like I just naturally am curious. And it's one of the things I want to address this year is how can we make recruiters more curious and want to be? So that they want to look and delve a bit deeper before they go, hi, you want a job? Where's your buzzer when I need it? I need your buzzer. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you (laughs) Less lazy equals 
more successful. Wow. We've really broken some ground today. Well, is that horrible thing to say or is it true? It's just <laughs> obvious. It's everything. It is I obvious. Mean, like, <laughs> well, yeah, it is, but yet we still have lazy, lazy people yeah. working for us. And, and it's just it's, on this podcast yeah, and doing podcasts. <laughs> I think I think one of the biggest issues, and I, and I think actually plays into the book very well, is the lump of labor, uh, the lump of labor fallacy, right? So the lump of labor fallacy mm. all is de- really predicated on, oh my God, jobs are going away, and the jobs generally don't go away. The skills you need mm. to do that job evolve, right? Um, so mm. the fallacy is jobs aren't going away. What's happening is they're evolving. Yeah. So what I read in yeah. this book actually aligns very nicely with really the remedy to this whole idea of there aren't going to be any jobs. Well, there are going to be jobs. You just have to be able right. to move and evolve with the jobs. Can you tell me yeah. how does it help recruiters understand how they need to evolve? Um, I think it's because I go back and I just remind people about the human side of what we do, that it requires empathy and it requires, you know, listening skills and all these kind of things that we seem to have forgotten a bit while technology has gotten the way. Well, I, I think you're forgetting one big word, though. It's adaptability. Yeah. We can't we can't do things today the way that we did five years ago. Hell, the five months ago. Yeah. Right. So I think when you talk about in the book, mm. you start talking about becoming robot proof, mm. uh, you know, the, the center theme has to be adaptability because if you continue to be lazy and lean on LinkedIn Mm. and don't adapt, then, I mean, you're fucked. I mean, I had a a very interesting situation (laughs) with, so in-house versus agency situation. Um, Uh Everyone will remain nameless in the situation. This specific person sent a Mm -hmm. LinkedIn email on the 10th of the month. And on the 30th of the month, the person finally replied because they finally went into LinkedIn and they finally saw it and they finally thought, oh, okay, I'll reply. She then sat on it for eight days and then received the resume in from an agency recruiter. And all she was concerned about was whether she would pay the fee or not pay the fee. And I kept going, but what were you doing for the eight days? Why didn't you get in touch with them? You had eight full days to get in touch with them. What were you doing? Oh, I just stopped paying this fee. But you left the guy hanging. The guy's sitting there wondering why you're not interested. I know he took 20 days to reply to you that that's because people don't use LinkedIn. They turned off the emails that auto send when you send an email. Mm -hmm. So he finally came in and saw your message and then you left him sitting for eight days. It shows you're not interested in talking to him. He's thinking you're not interested. And it was really interesting I'm anti people's reliance on it. Is it fair to say you're anti LinkedIn? Get off it. Just get off it. Okay. And what advice do you give to recruiters to, to get off the heroin drip? Hey, I'm old school. I'd say pick up the phone. <laughs> I, I would certainly call first and then I would be emailing or texting if I have the cell or the mobile. But I would be getting directly to them. You know, SMS has a 98 or something like that response rate. So I'd be aiming there. I'd be doing all the naughty stuff, you know, like the double tap texting and leaving voicemails with their favorite song playing in the background, all the stuff I've picked up from these awesome recruiters over the years. Do you think LinkedIn has been bad for the profession of recruiting? I mean, do people yes. rely too much on it and get yes. away from the tried and true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is which is LinkedIn's marketing. You know, I, I've gone into um, hospitals over here and you know, training the recruiters in there and they're like, oh, we got sold this LinkedIn recruiter license. And I'm going, so how many nurses are on LinkedIn? <laughs> and there's this silence because they've just... 
spent 200 million pounds. I know, like my answer in the question earlier, but they've just spent like 200 million pounds yeah. of dollars getting their LinkedIn recruiter license. So they don't want to hear that. Let's let's pivot away from LinkedIn for a minute. They've got enough of our time. Let's talk about let's talk about yes. interviews because we, we are <laughs> seeing that uh, technology can mm-hmm. interview just mm-hmm. as well as a human being. As a matter of fact, there are actual research mm-hmm. studies that, that show that a recruiter's quote unquote gut is not reliable and an algorithm is much more reliable than a human being's gut. What do you think about that and how does a recruiter pretty much robot proof against that or, or do they do they not? Because interviews suck anyway. So just screw that and leave it to the robots. First and foremost, did you see that high of you got into a bit of trouble over their algorithm during the video interviewing? That that was because of the facial recognition stuff. I mean, if you take away the facial recognition stuff, okay. and because that's a that, that's a total diversion. You take away the, the facial recognition stuff and you just focus on the actual data that's being compiled. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. I still feel it needs to have an element of both maybe if you're in the high volume and you're using it as an initial starting point, great. I didn't write about that in the book though. I talked about the technology that could support you during interviewing. So things like recording phone calls and be able to send snippets off to the hiring manager rather than write it all out and send it to them. I didn't want to go into the bias side because I feel the algorithms are biased anyway because they're created by humans and we're all naturally biased. I I personally think at the current time, both sides are flawed. Mm Mm-hmm. Whether we're going to get to a point where it's not in the future, I I hope so. It would be lovely for all of the candidates. Um, I do see where I think it's great, you know, certainly again, going back to tech recruitment, where people can play games and get away from their CV or their resume altogether is brilliant because, again, we can't write them. But that's sort of the initial phases rather than you're still going to get to an in-person at some point. So, again, I'm kind (laughs) kind of dodging the question. Finish your thought there. I'm kind of dodging the question in a way because I just don't think I have the expertise in that space. I don't have a PhD, but I have an opinion. So therefore, I say it on a podcast. (laughs) 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 Katrina. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, For our listeners who want to know more about you and or buy the book, where should they go? Um, you can, of course, buy the book at Amazon, but if you don't want to go to Amazon, which some people don't, you can buy it directly from the publisher, which is Kogan Page. Um, or if you come to thesearchologist.com, I've got some other links to some other places where you can buy it on the website as well. Yep. The, and the book is The Robot Proof Recruiter, Recruiter, a survival guide for recruitment and sourcing professionals. Can I just add something quickly? Sure. All of the royalties from the Robot Proof Robot Proof Recruit. I can't pronounce my own book. Can I have a... Uh? Um, <laughs> all of the royalties go to Hope for Justice Charity, which aims to end modern day slavery, of which 40.3 million people are currently impacted. And actually a lot of wow. companies probably have... <laughs> yes. Good yes. for you. I would have been much nicer to you if I knew that. No, you, don't be nice to me. I don't like people when nice to me. I like people to be direct <laughs> and a, honest with exactly me. That's exactly right. <laughs> You're on the right podcast then. Absolutely. Excellent, Katrina. Thanks so much for joining us. We We out. out. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Tristan. Thanks for listening to my stepdad, the Chad, and his goofy friend, Cheese. You've been listening to the Chad and Cheese podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on all the knowledge dropping that's happening up in here. They made me say that. The most important part is to check out our sponsors because I need new track spikes. 
you know, the expensive shiny gold pair that are extra because, well, I'm extra. For more, visit chatcheese.com. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.